Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Rev. Dale Cohen. The famous actor Gregory Peck once stood in line with a friend waiting for a table at a very popular Los Angeles restaurant. They'd been waiting for some time when Peck's friend impatiently said, Gregory, why don't you tell them who you are and surely we'll get a table a lot quicker. To which Peck responded, if you have to tell them who you are, then you aren't. (laughs) In Luke's gospel lesson for today, Jesus told a story to some Pharisees who routinely reminded people of who they were. They thought they had got all figured out, not only for themselves, but for everybody else, too. They were happy to tell others what was important and hold people to that standard. And if everybody did, then they assumed that the world would be a much better place. They treated anybody who disagreed with them with scorn and hatred. Luke begins Jesus' parable this way. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. It's tragic when we trust our ability to justify ourselves because when we do that, we leave no room for God's grace. We also leave no room for anybody else's grace in our lives either. Keeping the law may lead to living morally decent lives. However, when we solely trust in our ability to abide by the law, we deny the power of God's unconditional love and the power of His grace that could make our lives even better and help us to be better people as a part of the community of faith. We're already too full of ourselves to make room for God. When we're proud and self-satisfied, God has no room to work. On the other hand, when we're humble, we find God's grace, mercy, and peace in ample measure for our needs. Jesus' parable begins this way. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The people listening to Jesus' story expected that the Pharisee would end up being the good guy in the parable. They also understood that the tax collector was a heinous sinner, and so he probably wasn't going to fare very well in this story. But then Jesus continues. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. Well, Jews in Jesus' day typically stood when they prayed with their head up, their eyes open, and they would speak out loud. The Pharisee in Jesus' story was true to form. 
He stands by himself, though, presumably because he doesn't want to become defiled by contact with any unclean persons who may also be in the temple at that time, like, say, the tax collector. He thanks God that he's not like that man, or other people, for that matter, like thieves, rogues, and adulterers. The Pharisee keeps score by comparison. Now, we're all guilty of that. We compare ourselves to other people and decide whether maybe we might be a little bit better than somebody else. When my boys were little, they constantly compared themselves to each other. They were just two years apart. And whenever we would give them anything, they wanted to check and be sure that they had gotten what they considered to be equal. And often, say like at the end of a meal, if we had some cake and there was just a a small bit of cake left and they were going to finish it off, if we cut it, then there was a debate about who got the bigger piece. Well, finally we decided a way, a method to kind of fix that. And so we let one of the boys cut the cake, and then the other one got to choose the first piece. That seemed to do away with a lot of complaining. Praying in the temple, the Pharisee adds to his list of righteous deeds as he boasts about fasting twice a week and tithing on all his income. Well, for the most part, the law said that there was one day to fast, and here he was, he was doing it twice a week. And he said he tithed on all his income, when really, according to the law at that time, he only needed to tithe on the produce from any crop that he had. But he did it on all his income. Without uh, going into too much more detail, Everybody hearing this was greatly impressed, and they expected that Jesus would give this Pharisee some props because he was not just righteous, he was super righteous. But Jesus says nothing about what a great person he is. Instead, we read, But the tax collector, Jesus said, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, Jesus said, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. This is not the way the story was supposed to end. The tax collector is not supposed to be the hero of this story. He didn't pray the way you were supposed to pray. He looked down instead of looking up. He beat his breast, drawing attention to his shame, asking God for mercy. And Jesus says he's the one who went home justified, which means that God granted his prayer, that God gave him mercy and restored him to righteousness, meaning that he was good with God. The Pharisee, according to Jesus, was not justified, even though he exceeded the requirements of the law. Here's the problem. His behavior perfectly reflected 
the God he believed in. Let me repeat that. His behavior perfectly reflected the God that he believed in. He thought that the way he was doing when he looked at people that he decided who was righteous and who was not, that he thought that God did it the same way as he did. He was confident that God was just like him, dividing us into good and bad people and looking approvingly at the winners while despising the losers and the rejects. It would make no sense to the Pharisee that his self-serving acts of faithfulness would leave him on the outside of the kingdom of God, looking in on the tax collector. That's the difference, though. The tax collector believed in a God, this was his image of God, that was nothing like himself, for he was a tyrant and a thief. He trusted that God was nothing like him. And he trusted in God's mercy. While the Pharisee trusted in himself and in his own goodness. The result was that Jesus commended the tax collector while the Pharisee's righteousness stood for nothing. If we can't find humility then humiliation finds us. This is, in effect, what Jesus, Jesus was saying when he concluded this parable with these words. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. We have to be careful, though. This verse is not a formula for how we can manipulate God into praising us for doing an excellent job in living holy lives. We can't just act humbly and God automatically point to us as paragons of righteousness. Humility is not an act. Humility has to flow from a humble heart. God wants us to humbly come before him, not comparing ourselves to others but rather admitting our shortcomings and trusting that whatever we need to be in relationship with God, God will provide. Consider these facts about humility. We cultivate humility over time as we grapple with the reality of our sin and as we grieve over how our sin has not only hurt ourselves, but how it's hurt other people. And when we focus on how our behavior has hurt others, we become humble. Humility is never successfully developed through comparison to others, except when we compare ourselves to the person of Jesus Christ. Because that convicts us of our sin when we see his abounding love and grace and know that we have acted far less than loving and graceful. Humility is not a quality that we can turn on and off at will. It's an internal condition. It's a state of being that naturally forms 
as we stop relying on ourselves and our righteousness and learn to trust in God for everything that we need. We become humbler as God's love sinks into the recesses of our hearts and down deep into our souls where our sin is the ugliest and most vile. And as much as we would like to dress up our lives, every single one of us has something ugly inside of us that if we're not careful will eat us up. And that's why we need God's love to come in into that darkness and to pour in the light of his love. Therefore, humility always leads to increased patience and compassion for others still stuck in their sin. And who knows, by extending mercy toward them, that may be the catalyst for their transformation. Now let's not forget in this parable that both men are, are sinners. There's not a, a sinner and a non-sinner. There are two sinners in need of repentance. The difference was the tax collector recognized his sinfulness and he humbly repented, asking God for mercy. However, the Pharisee didn't see any need to do any of this. He had it all settled. He trusted in his counterfeit righteousness that was worthless. Just like any self-righteousness that makes us think we're good enough and not in need of God's grace. This parable is good news because it's an invitation to come clean, to be honest, to tell the truth, to be humble, and to surrender to God, acknowledging our sins through repentance and trusting that no matter what we've done, no matter what we've not done, that God's grace is enough. We're all recovering sinners. Whether we identify with the Pharisee in this parable or the tax collector or maybe even both, we need to repent, to trust in the goodness of God and surrender by confessing our sins. As I studied this passage this week, I couldn't help but think about another passage that also happened in the temple. In Mark, the 12th chapter, Jesus and his disciples were standing in the courtyard of the temple. And the courtyard of the temple was not the place that people went to pray. It was the the place where business was conducted, and, and it was there that people could make their offering. And they had these, these brass trumpet-shaped receptacles that when people would go by and contribute their offering, it would make noise as the coins hit this brass temple, uh, this brass uh, funnel. Well, it was a busy day, and there were people going up making their offering, but Jesus noticed a widow, an outsider, someone who had no security at all, go up, and she had two small coins. We call it the widow's mite. She had two small coins, not even worth a penny, that she dropped in that receptacle. Probably didn't make hardly any noise at all. But it caught Jesus' attention. And this is what he said. Truly I tell you, 
this poor widow has put in more than all those contributing to the treasury. Those two coins were worth more than every other gift. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Her gift was the gift that moved the heart of Jesus. The only way that we can fulfill God's call in our lives is when we put our trust in Him. When we rely on Him in every way by humbly acknowledging that there's so much that we can't do for ourselves that only God can do for us. And when we do that, it creates a spirit of gratitude. It creates a spirit of generosity. It creates a spirit of humility. And the kingdom of God is honored in all three. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about our services or how to get involved in our community, visit us at fumcflorence.org or facebook.com slash florencefumc.